Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open it up to Matthew uh, chapter 14 is where we're gonna get in just a second. If you do not have a Bible, it'll be on the screens to your left and to your right. But um, I'll say this, I said it in the first service. If you like don't have a Bible with you right now because maybe you left it you know, at home or in the car or something like that, that's one thing. But if you don't have a Bible because like you literally don't have a Bible, um, man, we would love to give you one uh, for free. And so, uh, man, come by guest reception or that connect lounge right there in the foyer on the way out um, because we think it's a pretty important book and we want everyone to have one. And uh, I'll even bust out the lost and found and you can just choose whatever you want. Even if your name's not in the front, you know what I mean? Finders keepers, baby, whoever, whoever gets it now. So um, you might get some good stuff, some big study Bibles. I don't know, all kind of stuff is in there. So, uh, but we wanna give you one before you leave today. And uh, so, but if you haven't, open it up to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, if you grew up in church, uh, this is gonna be a very familiar story that we're about to read together. My prayer is that this morning and today, you will maybe see something that you have never seen before. I say this a lot, but every time we come back to a story that we've read a million times in scripture, um, don't assume you know all there is to know about what's going on there. Because if you want gold, you have to dig for it. Gold's never found on the surface. If you want it, you dig it out. And that's what we're gonna do this morning in Matthew chapter 14. And I believe the Lord's gonna show us some things. So starting in verse 22, it says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Someone say the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were on the boat, in the boat, worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Verse 34, and when they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country and people brought all their sick to him and they begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. If you wanna take some notes this morning, I just entitled today's message, The Other Side. Look at your neighbor, say, we're going to the other side. Look at the person you didn't wanna talk to. Now look at them and say, we're going to the other side. There's more to be had on the other side. And today, not only are we gonna gain some revelation, but your homework is to find out in the midst of all of this teaching today, what's the other side for you? What's the other side for you? And what is God calling you to, amen? So cheers to whatever's in front of you. Hopefully it's water. And, um, and let's pray before we get into it. So Father, in Jesus' name, 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is sharp like a two-edged sword. God, it pierces our soul, our spirit, our heart. Lord, I pray that it would do just that today. I pray that we would see what we've never seen before and God, receive new revelation that is only gonna push us further into our covenant relationship with you. God, I pray this a lot, but it is nonetheless true today. God, I pray that we would not just be hearers only. Let us be doers of your word. God, we are better when we apply it. We receive it and we apply it to our life. And Lord, we just pray that maybe somehow in this fourth quarter, the Jaguars will do something to win in London in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. The Lord cares about all things, folks, all things. So, all right. Hey, uh, maybe by a show of hands, as we talk about the other side today, by a show of hands, who would consider themselves, Orange Park, Julington Creek, who would consider themselves to be an athlete? Raise your hand if you're like, I'm an athlete. Okay, or maybe like in a previous life. <laughs> in a previous life, I was an athlete. Okay, great. I was an athlete, right? Um, you know, growing up, uh, my dad, for my brother and I, I have a brother, he's on our staff here at church, uh, my brother Tyler, and uh, my dad had us playing all the kind of main sports that maybe boys play as they're growing up, all the traditional things. We played baseball and basketball and soccer and football. We, we played all of that. But for me, uh, the one I excelled at the most, I guess, was basketball. That was kind of my main thing. I spent most of my time playing basketball. I played it from an early age, went on to play it a little in college before I jumped into uh, pursuing ministry. And so basketball is something I love. I really enjoy the game. I watch it late at night, you know, East Coast, West Coast basketball games. And uh, I really, really love it. In fact, here I am now, I'm 33 years old, but I still love playing basketball. And weekly, a lot of us, Pastor John Wyatt and, uh, you know, and others, and a lot of our celebration staff guys, we still play basketball. Uh, we try to play like once a week in the area, uh, we'll go to a gym and we'll just play together. Now, have you ever seen guys who are past their prime, but they still think they're in their prime play sports? You ever seen that before? Like that's basically what it is when we all get together. You know what I mean? We are out there and in our heads, it is March Madness. You know what I mean? I play for the Duke Blue Devils. Here I am. Like, that's how serious we take it when we are out there. Show no mercy. Like, you think you get a little bit of mercy and grace when you play with other pastors? No, sir. It is to the death when we are out there, like, grinding it out on the basketball court. John White knows. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. You've never, as nice as this man is, you've never seen him yell at a teammate. Come on, just... Because it's serious. That's how serious we take it. We're out there. We're past our prime, but we still think we're in our prime. And, you know, we're out there. We're running around, man. We're giving it all we got. There's a lot of ego on the court, you know, when you get guys together to play sports. We think we're way better than we really are. We're like, dude, did you see how high I just got? You're like, bro, you were this high off the ground. That was, that was it, you know? And uh, the gym that we play in has no air conditioning, <laughs> So it is just brutal in the summer. We're just sweating to death. Like, why? We, we can't afford to lose weight. If we lose weight, we're in the hospital, bro. Like, we can't, like, so, so you know what I mean? Like, well, here we are, we're playing it. And what I've noticed is, you know, a lot of times I, we're playing hard, we're playing hard. I, I wake up the next morning, maybe some of you who, who do different activities, athletic things, I wake up the next morning now, dude, I'm so sore. I can barely get out of bed. My knees hurt, my legs hurt, my back hurts, all this kind of stuff. Made me think, have you ever done something in life and you didn't realize how much it was gonna cost you until later? You know what I mean? That's a whole nother message. I don't have time to preach that one today. I'll get to that one later. 
But one thing I always notice when we're out there playing basketball is there always comes this moment about 45 minutes in where um, if we were honest with ourselves, we're like, I'm, I'm done, I'm exhausted. We're playing full court, I'm sprinting, I'm running. And I wanna give up, but no one wants to be the first guy to say, I wanna stop, like you don't wanna be that guy. And, and so we're all just pressing on and pressing on and pressing on, I'm dying, I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted. But then something miraculous happens. All of a sudden in your physical body, I don't know how to explain it, but something happens and now you just kind of step into like this second wind. You know what I mean? Any, any athletic people, maybe runners and other, like a runner's high. You step into this runner's high and now where you thought you were finished at about 45 minutes, you go on to play another hour and a half because now this second wind has caught you. This runner's high has, has caught you and I actually looked up kind of like a working uh, definition, and this is what it says uh, in regards to like a runner's high. When an athlete who is physically exhausted finds the strength to push on, watch this, at top physical performance with less exertion. Top physical performance with less exertion. You see, it's this idea of coming to a place where you believed you could not go any further but yet on the other side of that place was a more extraordinary version of yourself. You found top physical performance with less exertion. You stepped into the other side and all of a sudden you, you saw that there was this extraordinary version of you. You caught this, this runner's high. And so I thought to myself, if this principle is true physically, is there a spiritual principle that we can apply here, that God wants to get us to the other side. So I asked the question, who in scripture had a moment of getting to the other side? Well, obviously Peter. Peter Peter's an easy illustration. We just read here in Matthew chapter 14 that Peter is sitting in a boat, but through a series of events, he steps out to the other side of the boat. And when he steps out and walks towards Jesus, he steps into a more extraordinary version of who he is on the other side. Now you go on to keep reading. We just read it right there. Maybe you've grown up in church and you've heard this story preached a few times. And, and yes, Peter begins to sink and he begins to fall. And there's some things here that we're gonna learn to, to today. But, but I think a lot of times when we examine this story, we never stop to consider all that is going on in this story. And the fact that even after he started to sink, something really profound happens afterwards that we never really focus in on. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna look at Matthew chapter 14. We're gonna walk through it. We're gonna ring it out for all the revelation that we can get that's gonna help us. And then at the end of the message, at the end of 26 minutes and 55 seconds, we're gonna pray for some people. And I believe today is your day to either make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. And today's the day God's gonna speak to you and give you clarity about where you need to step out and go to the other side in your life. Amen. So let's go through, starting in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out walking on the lake. The disciples see him, they're terrified. They think it's a ghost. They cry out in fear. Jesus says, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now watch what Peter says. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Take notice of, of what Peter says. Lord, if it's you, prove yourself. I'm thinking to myself, uh, Peter, who else could it be? 
You know what I mean? How many of you guys know walking on water, Peter? Like who, of course, it's Jesus. Obviously, Peter doesn't think this is miracle enough to constitute as Jesus. So I'm gonna need something else. God, prove yourself if it really is you. Who else could it be? Of course, it's Jesus. It's not Bartholomew. That dude doesn't do anything in the Bible, okay? Like, you know what I mean? Of course, it's Jesus. I think this is a pretty five-star miracle uh, if you ask me. But nonetheless, Jesus, prove yourself. Lord, if it's you tell me to come to you on the water, but watch this church. Here's what I really think is going on. Peter's not saying, Jesus, prove to me who you are to me. What he's really saying is prove who I am with you. Don't, don't, don't prove who you are to me. Prove who I am with you. Jesus, if it's you, call me out. Prove the life that I am capable of living when I follow you. Prove what I'm capable of doing when I step out and follow your voice. Prove the miraculous and the supernatural that I can experience when you say come and I say yes. And I step to the other side. You see, the only way Peter could know that this was Jesus is for Jesus to actually change the quality of Peter's existence. Some of us who still doubt God and whether or not he is good or real or for us or against. Listen, the only way you're really gonna know is if you invite him in to change the quality of your actual existence. And, and then you're gonna learn a lot. If it's you, call me out. If it's you, call me to the other side. If it's you, show me what I am capable of doing when I walk towards you. I wrote this question down and, and maybe you can ponder and consider this today. How many times... Have we asked God for a miracle, but we don't want him to involve us in the miracle? I'm preaching right now. Orange Park, get ready. Okay, so how many times, God, do a miracle, do a miracle, but you don't want him to involve you in the miracle. Lord, I really want you to bring revival into my workplace. I want you to do, so save my coworkers and my boss. Lord, my boss needs Jesus. God, do something in his life. Lord, Lord, do all of this. And God says, fantastic. That's why I have you there on assignment. But then we say, oh, well, uh, God, I was, if you can maybe just send out a memo, just like a, you know, Friday's a prayer day or something. And maybe that's just kind of where we'll start. Like, I don't really think I have to be the one. You want him to do a miracle, but you don't want him to use you to do the miracle. God, save my family, Lord. Lost sons and daughters or parents or grandparents who are still far from God. Lord, do something in their life. Do. God says, man, that's why I have you in the family. That's why I've already dealt graciously with your life. Now I want you to do something in their life. Speak, edify, encourage, exhort. But, but yet, no, God, if you can maybe just send a friend or a coworker in their life, kind of get it together, you know, that meant... You want him to do the miracle, but you don't want him to use you to do the miracle. But I love what Peter says. Peter says, God, if it's you, call me out. What does he do? He asks for a miracle, but at the same time, he says, involve me in it. Involve me in it. Do a miracle, call me out. Let me walk with you. But, but, but I wanna be a part, I, I, I wanna do it. You see, this is what 
has to rise up in our spirit if we are really gonna be the mobilized church of Jesus Christ in the city that he has placed us in. No longer can we just sit in boats and just come to normal weekend and midweek services and pray mobilization prayers, hoping that God's gonna use other people to get it done. Something in your spirit has to say, Lord, I'm gonna pray this prayer, but I'm also raising my hand that you would use me. I wanna be a part of the supernatural. I wanna be a part of the miracle. God, do not pass me by, call me out. Call me out. Listen, never pray prayers that you're not willing to be the answer to. If we're praying it, then our hands should be raised at the same time. God, I'll participate, I'll help, I'll, I'll do it, I'll sacrifice, I'll go where, wherever it needs to be, go. Uh, God, I'll, I'll, I'll participate, call me out, involve me in the miraculous, in the supernatural. This is what Peter's asking. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus just says, come. So simple. Just, just come, just come. You see, some of you keep doubting who God is because you keep wanting him to prove himself and act outside of you. But you'll really get your proof of God and who he is when you invite him in as savior and say, Lord, change my existence. Change what I'm capable of. Show me the life that I can live with you and in you. And Peter's basically saying, look, there's a lot of places I can go when you're not around and there's a lot of things I can do when you're not around, but show me the life that I am only capable of living when you're involved in it. There's some places that you can't go without God. You'll never get there. He's the only way you're, you're ever gonna do that thing or go to that place or achieve that success or what it is. He's the only way that you're gonna get there. So I wanna ask you this question. If you wanna write it down, you can write it down because it's something that you genuinely have to ponder for you, yourself, and your family. Here it is. Are you only in a place right now in life? Are you only in a place right now because Jesus said come and you said yes? Are you only experiencing what you're experiencing right now because he said come and you said yes? Are you only doing what you're doing right now because he said come and you said yes? Or are you sitting in a place that truthfully you could have gotten to all by yourself? I've just made the decision and I'm praying that all of us will, that I'm gonna only be in the place. There's no way I could have gotten here. There's no way I could be doing this. I should not be here. I should not be at this level. I should not be experiencing this. I should not be living this life had it not been Jesus said, come. And I said, yes. That's what Peter's doing. He's experiencing what he can only experience because he said yes when Jesus said, come. That's the life that I wanna live. I wanna live on that. That, that. That's extravagant surrendering. That's extravagant faith. That's extravagant pursuit of Jesus. He said, come, and I said, yes. You know, to my recollection and understanding, there's only two people on record to have ever walked on water. You know, Jesus and Peter. I'm not buying that Chris Angel stuff. You know what I mean? I just hoax. So, you know what I mean? Jesus and Peter, only two men ever on record having walked on water. But watch this church, Jesus can walk on water without Peter, 
but Peter can't walk on water without Jesus, okay? You see, the moment we surrender our lives to him and we submit fully to his will and call on our lives, you step into a territory that you could have never gotten to by yourself. And that's all the proof of God that you're gonna need. As I looked at this story some more, another interesting thing that I noticed is here's Peter now, he's stepped out of the boat. He's stepped to the other side. He's walking on water. He's doing a miracle. The supernatural is happening. Now, if I'm another disciple in this moment and I'm still sitting in the boat, this is, is my, this is gonna be my posture. Um, Jesus, me next. Me next. I, hey, call, I would imagine a line would be forming on the boat of guys who wanna do this. Guys, you see, Peter, this is amazing. Me next, Jesus, call me out. I want some, I wanna do this. I would imagine that's happening, but that's not what the Bible says. Isn't that amazing, fascinating? Peter is doing something supernatural, miraculous, but yet there is still so much fear in the boat. No one else wants to participate in it. You see, I don't wanna be the believer who sits in the boat and only watches God do the miraculous in everyone else's life. And all you ever get is a front row seat to the signs and wonders that he is doing in everyone else. As you just metaphorically eat your popcorn and watch everyone else do something great. I wanna be a believer that says, if it's available and it can be done, sign me up. I want to participate in every miraculous supernatural thing that Jesus has on the menu. I don't wanna sit and wait in the corner. I don't wanna, oh man, look how God's using his life and her life, and man, that's fascinating and that's really cool. And look at the blessings and the provision that they get. God, if it's available, call me out. Call me out to the other side. Call me out to the other side. I just think for some of us right now, Julington Creek, Orange Park, all locations, church online, those of us in this room, it is time you let the Holy Spirit awaken and stir in you again, because far too long now, you have been seated in a boat watching God allow other people to do significant things in the kingdom, and the Lord is saying, I am no respecter of persons. I will, I will bring anyone and everyone who wants to come to the other side. All you have to do is be willing to step over the edge. There's purpose in you. There's calling in you. There's gifts and talents and ability. You understand that no one, God does not repeat purpose. There is no one else that, that he has given. It's, it's not like he has a backup plan. Like, oh, well, if so-and-so doesn't do their job, then listen, yes, he's gonna build the kingdom. Yes, he's gonna get it done, but there's something unique about what he's given you. And he's waiting on you to step out because just like you've seen the miraculous happen in other people's lives, he has miraculous waiting for you. If you'll step to the other side, he says, come and we say, yes, let's keep reading verse 29. Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Now, every time I heard this story, I, my, my dad was a pastor. I went to Sunday school 10 trillion times. So every time I heard this story, um, and maybe you the same, I always heard it taught, like when he saw the wind and the waves, 
When he saw the waves, oh, it was a storm. And when he saw the wind and the waves and then he fear and he was afraid and he began to sing. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say anything about waves. It says when he saw the wind, the wind. Now this is not a translation error either. The original Greek word used in this passage of scripture is the Greek word for wind. Now I know you're thinking, like, you're thinking hold, well, hold on, like when he saw the wind, no, 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 no. When he saw the wind, the wind, this has got no, Jesus, you, you had to have meant waves. What do you mean when he saw the wind, the wind, the, the wind, the wind, the wind? But because here's the thing, you can't see wind. You can't see wind. But listen, church, you can't walk on water either. So why couldn't the man who is currently doing the impossible not also see the invisible at the very same time. Catch this revelation, when you step out to the other side and you get extravagant in your following and surrendering to Jesus, and when he says come at all times, you say yes, you step into a life that not only does the impossible, but now you can see the invisible. You see things that other people can't see. You are, you are privy to information of what's going on in the spirit and how God is moving and pieces that he is putting into place. You do the impossible, but you see the invisible. Isn't that what faith is? Isn't faith the ability to see what other people can't see? Isn't faith the ability to see what even you can't see in the natural sometimes? I thought about Noah. We don't have time to read any Genesis today, but I thought about Noah. Here's a man in the Old Testament who built a boat for a hundred years because he saw ahead what no one else could see. No one else could see it, but with, with eyes of faith, he received what the Lord said, he believed it and he saw it coming, and so what did he do? He and his family prepared their house for what was coming because he saw what no one else could see. He saw the invisible. Have you ever been to like a big city, uh, maybe like New York or something, and you see kind of the, the crazy, weird people, sometimes they just, they're a little different, but like they're, they're holding like up like Armageddon signs end of the world, Armageddon, fire, brimstone, like all this kind of stuff. And you're like, that dude is kind of crazy. He's kind of weird. Let's just walk on the other side, kids. Let's walk way over here. You know, that was Noah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Noah was the crazy guy in New York holding up the Armageddon sign. <laughs> end of the world, floods coming. People are like, what's a flood? Trust me, you don't want any part of it. It's coming, rain, floods coming up, everyone needs to get on the boat. Mocked and ridiculed for a hundred years because he saw what no one else could see. But at the end of the hundred years, the rains come and now the crazy idiot is a genius. See, some people in your world aren't gonna understand why you're building your life the way you're building your life. They, they, they don't understand why you prioritize God the way you prioritize God. Why do you give a week, or some of us, why do you give two days in the week 
to go into a church and maybe you do a group or other, why are you giving that much time? You really tell me, you give 10% of your money and sometimes over and above to a religious organization, you give it to a church, they don't understand it, they can't see it, they don't understand why you're building your life the way you're building it, but why we're doing what we're doing is because I can see what you cannot see. I can see what's coming, I can see what's on the way. You might think I'm crazy right now, but when the rains come, you're going to want to get on my boat. When you step out to the other side, God gives you eyes to see what no one else can see. They don't understand why we build the way we build, but it's because we have eyes that they don't have. I pray God gives them faith just like he's given me faith. But until then, I don't have time to argue. I just have to keep building based on what I've seen and what's coming. The other side, you step into a life of the impossible and you see the invisible. Let's keep reading on. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, actually. I wrote this down. Now, faith is the confidence. This is just a great another support. Faith is the confidence of what we've hoped for. It's the assurance about what we don't see. So faith is. I'm assured about what I even don't see. So I, I think about this. I wonder what God wants to show you. As you get bold and courageous and you step to the other side, whatever the other side is for you, you step out, you be more extravagant in your Jesus following than you ever have been. You get fully surrendered and committed. I believe that you're gonna see things that you've never seen before. He's gonna show you things that you've never known before. You've never stopped to consider, but man, with that eye of faith, you're gonna see it and it's gonna be a whole new Wow wow kind of moment that God's gonna reveal to you. But you have to step out of the boat. You gotta step out of the boat. I don't know what your boat is now. Now, when I talk about the boat, let me define the boat for just a second. Um, you can be a Christian and sit in the boat. The, the boat isn't just lost, unbelieving people. You can, you can be a Christian and, and sit in the boat. I just think, you know, the boat just represents uh, maybe passivity, or ordinary, average. You know, the boat just, at times, the boat can represent some doubt. You know, like you believe in Jesus, but there's still a little doubt about some things. And that's just all the, the boat is. The boat's just kind of like playing for par Christianity. That, that's the boat. Any golfers in the room? Anybody like to play golf? I love to play golf. Um, I, I mean, I, I play it all the time. I like to play at really, really nice courses. And, uh, you know, I, I especially like free golf. I like free golf at nice courses. Holler at your boy. So, um, but you know, I play golf a, a, a lot. I play with Pastor Stovall sometimes. Uh, a lot of times I play with Pastor Ian Combs, one of our, uh, our Orange Park campus pastor. Uh, me and Pastor Ian are really close and Ian's a great golfer. And so we play a lot. But Orange Park right now, um, just let me take a time out. Orange Park campus, please ask your campus pastor who hit the longest drive on number 18 in the last round of golf. Ian might be bigger than me, but I got that dad strength, okay? Dad strength is real strength. And so you guys ask him, but... Um, but you know, when I go out with Ian and we're playing golf, a lot of times we'll come to a par five. For those of you who don't know anything about golf, it means that you have five strokes, five shots to get the ball in the hole. And so here's what will happen a lot of times. I'll hit a great drive. I'm playing with Ian, I hit a great drive. And now I have a decision to make on my second shot. Do I go for the green in two shots and try to like, you know, get a low score or do I just lay up and, and just play it safe 
and, and maybe just get a par. You know what I mean? You're always at this crossroads. And as I'm out there on the golf course, here's my ball and I'm thinking, I'm, what's the wind doing? What's everything happening? And how am I hitting the ball today? And I'm looking and I always look over at Pastor Ian. And he always says the same thing to me when I find myself at this crossroads. He looks at me and he's like, out of the corner of his eye, he's like, hey, Baird, Baird. That's what he calls me. Hey, Columbus took a chance. That's what he says every single time. I'm like, first of all, that doesn't help me. Second of all, he landed on the wrong rock. Like he didn't even make it to like, but that's when he said, hey man, Columbus took a chance, but it fires me up. He knows that it's like really inspiring. I'm like, you're right, man, give me the three wood. I grab the three wood, I come over here, I hook it into the woods. And so it was just, I'm like, Ian, you're the worst caddy ever. I'm, ah, you know? But look, we're, we're weekend golfers. I'm not getting paid to play golf. This isn't official on the golf course. I'm not, I'm not actually being scored. I'm just, I'm a weekend golfer. And so of course I wanna try to hit the shot that even nine times out of 10, I can't hit. But maybe today's the day that I'm gonna hit it. I'm gonna play risky golf. I'm always gonna go for it. I'm always gonna try to, to hit the brilliant shot and do all that type of stuff. I didn't come out here to play for par, right? There's too many Christians who have reduced their Christianity to par Christianity. I got my ticket to heaven. Now I'm just gonna sit here and wait another 30, 40, 50 years until I get to go and be with Jesus. Boy, today is the day you step out and you say, I'm gonna have risky faith. I'm gonna start living risky faith, stepping out, trying new things. When he says come, I say yes. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know how he's going to provide, but I know it's the voice of Jesus calling me. And if he's called me, I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out. How much risk is actually involved when it was him calling in the first place? How risky can it actually be when it's Jesus doing the calling? This applies in so many areas, family, life, career, money, right? We're coming up to heart for the house in the next couple of weeks. How risky is it to your finances when you know it was Jesus asking you to give whatever he's asked you to give? I'm a real person too. I know I'm a, I'm a pastor and sometimes it looks like, oh, pastors never have any problem. They just always, no, I mean, it's our bank account too. You know what I mean? I got a real checking account. I got real bills to pay. But yet when Jesus speaks something, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a big number. I, I wasn't really thinking it was gonna be that big. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I go, I go to Beth and I'm like, what do you think of babe, like 200? She's like, I, the Lord added another zero on mine. I'm like, oh God, 2000, oh God. Uh, you know, like whatever it is, you know? And, and you think this is a big risk. Oh man, this is, ri how risky is it really? When it was Jesus doing the asking, it's not really risky. If there's anyone that we can believe fully and, and, and trust fully, it's Jesus. If he's asking, he's gonna supply everything we need in the end anyways. I gotta go on. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out. Underline these three words, Lord, save me. This is what Peter says. He's sinking, Lord save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. 
Now, growing up, um, this was always the part in the story where people would judge and they would take a shot at Peter. Like we've all heard this done. Like as it was being taught to us, they would all take a shot at Peter right here. Like, oh my gosh, what an idiot. Look at him sinking. I would have never taken my eyes off Jesus. Never in a million years would I have done that. What an amateur. You call yourself a disciple. Look at this rookie over here. This guy is ridiculous. You know, like none of us would have ever done that. And everyone takes shots at Peter, like he's a fool, like he's an amateur, all this kind of stuff. Oh my goodness, but, but watch this church. At least Peter stepped out. There's a lot of other disciples still sitting in a boat. At least he stepped out. See, this is why we don't judge other brothers and sisters who occasionally fall and trip up at times in their pursuit of Jesus. At least they're still walking. At least they're still moving. At least they're getting up. At least they're fine. You don't know what it took to get them to this place. You don't know what they went through to get this far. I'm not gonna be the judge because at least you're walking. At least you're walking. You're in need of grace, just like I'm in need of grace. You didn't deserve it, just like I didn't deserve it. But at least he's still walking. He stepped, at least he stepped out. Other guys sitting in a boat. So let's not get too hot and heated on Peter right here, because he was the only one who went to the other side, right? But I love what he says. He begins to sink, and watch what he says. Lord, save me. Lord's, it was instinctive. His instinctive reaction was, Lord, save me. You see, if you wanna stay in the realm of the impossible and seeing the miraculous, you better remember that you did not get there alone. You didn't get there by yourself. And Peter never forgot, I am standing on water because of Jesus. That's how I got here. That's why I'm here right now. And so whenever fear and fright and doubt began to come, his first reaction was, Lord, save me. See, the mistake in Christian living, this is the mistake, would be to assume that just because you have had some water walking seasons, that you are now capable of continuing that same season without Jesus. You see, no, 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 he sustains the miracle. Without him, well, well then I hope you can swim. Okay, he's the one sustaining it. The minute we think that just because we've had a few good reps under our belt that now I'm gifted enough, I'm strong enough, I'm talented enough, I, I got enough going on in me and I look at what I can do and look what I've done and look at my track record now, the mistake would be to think that you can now continue without him. You're nothing without him. We can't do anything without him. He is the one that brings the supernatural. He is the one that brings the miraculous. This is why every day we must be yielded again to the Holy Spirit because I need you so badly. If I want to sustain this living and this lifestyle of the supernatural, I must have you. You know, Pastor Stovall has been talking a lot about um, Man, a lot, a lot of different things, but one of the things he's been talking about is how um, it's important for us to be doing you know, communion and reflecting on the Lord in our own homes with our family members and stuff like that. And, and, and so my wife and I, who's down here, Bethany, we have a four-year-old son and we've been doing that in our house as well, you know, observing the Sabbath each week and taking communion, just me and her and our little son, Jude. And I, I, it's just a really 
amazing, beautiful thing, you know, which is, it's so restful and peaceful and, and it builds our faith. It allows us a moment to kind of just every week teach our son about the, the body and the, and the juice and, and what it represents with Jesus and the bread and all of it, you know? And so it provides a great teaching moment. Me as the husband, as the priest of my home, I get a chance to, to lay hands on Bethany and my son and speak a blessing and uh, of affirmation over each of them. And so it's just this really unique moment, but you really know what it's doing is it's providing a time in our weekly calendar where we are once again coming to the Lord saying, God, consecrate our home. Lord, bring your Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. God, continue to move in our midst. Continue to keep us healthy, God, and provide for us. You are the one that we need the most, Jesus. We cannot do it without you. It keeps us constantly yielded to the Holy Spirit because if you wanna keep living in the realm of the impossible and seeing the invisible, you didn't get there by yourself. And every opportunity you can take to, to bring, Lord, it's you, it's you. Holy Spirit, it's you. Gosh, we need you. We are so dependent on you. It's only ever helping you. That's all I'm saying. It's only ever helping you. But Peter says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me, right? Jesus is sustaining this miracle. Lord, save me. So I, let me paint this picture. Yesterday, yesterday, last night, we're walking through the neighborhood, my wife and, uh, and our son, we're walking through the neighborhood and obviously it's, you know, it's coming up on Halloween right now. And so there's some houses who have different things out in their yard and decorated and stuff. Does anyone have that one house in your neighborhood where it's like, dang, y'all just went full on. Like you dropped five grand on your front yard. You know what I mean? And you're just like, first of all, I'm like, where do you even put this stuff when it's not Halloween? How do you have this much storage? in your house, you know what I mean? Like just big, huge stuff. And it's like, they just try to turn their whole house into like a horror theme and whatever's going on. And I just, whatever, you know what I mean? To each person his own, I guess. But, but here I am and we're walking with our kid and he always kind of forgets that that house now, this last couple of weeks is like right around the corner. So it's all good. Like we're walking, it's all good. He's having a great time. We do our walks in the evening, the weather's great. Here we are walking. But as soon as we turn the corner and he sees that house, Pick me up, pick me up, pick me up. Like, like he ain't having it, he ain't about it. He's not, dad, it's, it's frightening, he's fearful, and he wants, dad, pick me up, pick me up, pick me up. It's really, really interesting. Watch this. In that moment of fear and fright, he didn't have time to formulate some strategic plan in his head about what he's gonna do regarding this fearful house. And he didn't have time to think, how many yards am I away from the house? He's not doing math in his head. He's not, he, he just sees it and instinctively, instantaneously, dad, pick me up. Dad, pick me up. You know why that's his reaction? Because he's been walking with his father. So, when a moment of fear and being afraid and fright and trouble comes his way because he has been walking with his father, his instantaneous reaction is pick me up. You see, you wanna know why Jesus is still some people's last resort instead of their first response? Because they haven't been walking with him. But what we see from Peter is because he had been walking with the Lord and walking towards Jesus, the moment trouble comes and he begins to sink, his instantaneous reaction is, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. That's how close I wanna be to Jesus. 
that, that it, doesn't take, it doesn't take me sitting down at the table thinking, all right, what am I gonna do? I got some trouble in my life. I really need to weigh the pros and the cons. But I wanna be so close to him that the minute anything comes that is frightening or scary, my instantaneous reaction is Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I need you. That, like, it, it just comes because it's that I'm walking so closely with him. It just overflows in my life. See, whatever you're trusting in when life is going well, it's what you have to trust in when life is falling apart. So I hope we've trusted in the right things. As the band comes and we get ready to pray. Here's the part in the story, it's the very end, but here's the part in the story that no one ever stops to consider. We're gonna look at it today. You're gonna probably see something that you never thought before. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? In verse 32, you need to underline it, you need to circle it, you need to highlight it. Verse 32, Matthew chapter 14. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Church, when Jesus is having this moment with Peter, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And we don't know, maybe more was said than that. That's all the Bible gives us, but maybe it was a longer conversation. Maybe it was this really deep teaching moment. I don't know what all was there. Maybe it was a moment of Jesus talking about the importance of faith and Peter and, and his doubt. And maybe Jesus was instructing him. Maybe Jesus was inspiring and motivating him right, right here in this moment. But watch this, as they are having this conversation, they are both standing on water. Chronologically, look back in scriptures. He begins to sink. Jesus reaches out his hand, pulls him back up. They're standing on water. And now Jesus has this teaching moment as they're standing on water right here. It was almost like Jesus had this moment of wanting to pour out more revelation wanting to share new things, maybe more of his character and who he is and what he does and what he is capable of when people come after him. It was all right here in this moment, but watch this. It was reserved only for people standing on water. And because Peter was the only one who stepped to the other side, Peter was the only one that got this ministry moment with Jesus. No one else got it. Tons of other disciples sitting in a boat, they never got this moment. They had some other moments with Jesus. They learned some other good stuff. Jesus taught them. They had other moments around campfires and in homes and they saw other miracles, but they didn't get this moment. This moment was reserved. This moment was for water walkers. This moment only happened on the other side. And because Peter was the only one who went to the other side, Peter's the only one who gets this moment. I just felt like the Lord was sharing with me when he first showed me this revelation and I hope it blesses you too, that, that, that God up in heaven, boy, does he have more revelation that he wants to pour out on humanity? Of course he does. More things about his character. If we ever think we understand fully the full scope of the character and all that is encompassing in God and Jesus, we are sadly mistaken. Oh my gosh, there are depths that we have yet to plunder into. There are things that we still don't know, but God has more that he wants to reveal. He has more that he wants to show. He has more that he wants to share, but he's only gonna have certain conversations with people who go to the other side. Imagine what limited revelation those of us are working with when we sit in the boat. Let that hit you for just a second. 
What do you not know about Jesus because you're still in a boat? That blew my mind. What do I still not understand? What dots have still not connected because I am still sitting in a boat? But I'll learn something new and experience something greater and new light bulbs will turn on and new dots will connect and I will sit back and go, oh my gosh, I thought I knew something, but I didn't know much at all. Look at this whole new depth of Jesus that I have now understood when I took the step to the other side. The other side. What's your other side? What do you need to step into? Man, for some of us, it's just a, it's just a new step. I believe in this season of mobilization, it's a new step of, uh, of greater evangelism and greater witnessing. And you're, what's gonna happen is as you obey Jesus, when he says come and you say yes into moments of witnessing and sharing with people in your sphere of influence, it might be a little frightening at first, but what's gonna happen is he's gonna meet you there. Something is gonna happen. You're gonna see something take place and how it all plays out. And you're gonna learn something new about Jesus that you never knew before because you always get new revelation for those who are willing to step to the other side. Some of us in this heart for the house season in the next couple weeks, and no, Pastor Stovall didn't even make me say this. This is just what the Lord wants to say to those of us in this house, in this family. Some of us, we have held on so tightly to our resources and you are working with a limited revelation and knowledge of Jesus. But if you can step to the other side and be more extravagant with how you trust God with your money and your resource and your time and all of these types of things, what will happen is you will learn something new that you've never known before. He'll show you a new side of himself that you've never known before. You've known him as healer. You've known him as, as, as provider and savior and redeemer, but he is gonna show some of you that he is provision in the next few weeks. And you'll know it not just because you read it in an old book that was canonized thousands of years ago, but you'll know it because as you stepped to the other side with your resource and your finances, he met you there and he said, you thought you were gonna lack, but look at what I have provided for you because this is what I do and this is who I am. And now you realize it, not just because you read it, but because you've seen it at work in your life. Some of you, you're believing and you're praying prayers that God would heal and restore and mend. And you've heard scripture preached 10 million times that that is his character, but yet you have never seen that character on display in your own life. But as you step over the side and you begin to walk on the water of faithfulness and you come after him in a new level of commitment and surrender, he will begin to show you himself. You or your mind will be blown. You'll be experiencing the goodness and the faithfulness of God that you didn't even realize. You're going to new depths. It all happens on the other side. Let's stand to our feet right now. What are you gonna learn when you get to the other side? Man, I just wanna get to it. I'm, I'm just at a place now where I'm just like, God, if it exists, I wanna know about it. If it's available, I want it. If there's more, I need it. I don't wanna sit in a boat, limited revelation, limited knowledge, limited supernatural, li limited, 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 limited. I wanna cross over. And I wanna find a more extraordinary version of who you've called me to be. We're gonna pray, but watch this. 
After all of this moment with Peter and Jesus, they land at a place called Gennesaret. Gennesaret is called a garden of riches. That's the Hebrew term for Gennesaret, a garden of riches. It's called that because it was a really beautiful spot on the Sea of Galilee, very fertile ground, beautiful, great, great mountains and valley, the whole, whole deal, a garden of riches. I just found it to be, isn't it so fitting that after this moment of faith with Peter and stepping out on the other side, that where it ultimately led them was to a garden of riches. I just believe prophetically for you and for me, for all of us, as you step to the other side, as you get extravagantly obedient and surrendered to Jesus, you go to the other side. What it's gonna lead to is it's gonna lead you to the richest, fullest living and life that you have ever experienced. I do not care what kind of life you're living right now whether you are a rich businessman and you got plenty in the bank and your kids go to the best schools and you, you and your wife have been married and it's all good for a long time and everything seems to go well and everybody is healthy or wealthy. If you, even you, if you're living life apart from Jesus, then whatever life you're living is nothing. Nothing compared to what it could be on the other side with Jesus. If you think you understand fullness apart from him, you know nothing of fullness. That's just how it is. He will bring such rich, full, joyous, peaceful, all of it comes when we go to the other side. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, two groups I wanna pray for, no one leaving, because this is the most important part of our service right now. Someone's heart is beating a million miles an hour and that is the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of you saying today is the day. I want relationship with you. Don't run from me. You, you, you can't, as if you could, you can't outrun his grace. His mercy is relentless. He will chase you and chase you and chase you. And today on October the 28th, 2018, God has cornered you in a church service in Jacksonville because he wants real, genuine relationship with you. But you gotta go to the other side to experience it with him. So right now with no one looking around, just a moment of privacy for, for people, examining your own life. Don't think about your neighbor, just think about yourself. Where are you at with Jesus? You have to do something with the person of Jesus. What are you gonna do with them? Are you gonna continue to push them away? Or is today the day you say, man, Jesus, you are the son of God. You died, you rose again from the dead. You are coming again and I wanna surrender my life to you. If that's you on the count of three, you wanna surrender your life to Jesus. I will not embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you do anything weird, but I want you to lift your hand. Be that, at least be that bold to lift your hand in a room of crowded people to say, yes, God, I wanna surrender to you on the count of three. One, two, three, put your hand in the air. Awesome, hands up all over the place. Put it high, put it bold. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Lift your hand high. Come on, anyone else? Anyone else right now? Boy, up in the balcony, I see you in every section. Anyone else, five more seconds. Anyone else, today's your day. Your heart is beating, God is speaking to you. Man, praise Jesus, thank you. You can put your hands down. Now church, I want us all to repeat this prayer after me. We're a family and we're all gonna pray it because people might be praying this for the very first time. Man, there's a lot of hands. So everyone, let's say this, Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. You're the way, 
the truth, the life. I need you. From this moment on, I will not be self-directed. I will be God-directed. I yield to you, your Holy Spirit. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross, rose again from the dead. You are seated in heaven, and you're coming again for me. I will reign with you. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you. You shed blood so that I can be forgiven, healed, cleansed, purified, and redeemed. In Jesus' name. Now, right now, no one looking around. If you're a believer in here today and you're just saying, Holy Spirit, help me go to the other side. I wanna be more bold, more courageous, more extravagant in my faith. Whatever that is for you, that's your homework. I can't do it for you. You can do it for yourself. Apply it where needed, but you know what God is asking and calling you to do. Are you only in a place because he said come and you said yes? Because that's the best place to be living. If that's you and you're saying, Holy Spirit, help me, help me get to the other side. I wanna do it. I wanna be obedient in that. Just lift your hand. I'm gonna pray for you right where you're at. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the words that we've read in Matthew chapter 14. God, we thank you that they are life to us. Orange Park, Julington Creek, everyone keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised right now. I just believe those of you who have your hands raised, this is for everyone, but I just believe the Holy Spirit is saying that even in the next several days, some of you, as you go to the other side and whatever it is that God is impressing upon your heart right now, as you are obedient to it. I know it's, it's, some of it looks scary. Some of it looks daunting. Some of it looks like, Lord, it's, this is a big stretch for me. I've never done this. I've never been this bold. I've never been this courageous with whatever it is, but the Holy Spirit is saying he will not leave you hanging. And even in the next few days, he is waiting to show himself faithful and true to you. He is not a God that he should lie. He is a man that makes good on his promises. And when you step out, God is gonna meet you there. Here's what I have found, that God is often found in the untried, the unproven, and the unknown. And as you step out, he is gonna be as faithful as he has always been from day one. He's gonna meet you there. He's gonna supply what you need for those of you who are gonna be bold about your faith and you're gonna begin to go into your workplaces and minister to people and pray prayers of exhortation. Listen to me, God is gonna give you words of wisdom. He's gonna give you words of knowledge and you need to be faithful to open up your mouth and give it to those people because you might think, oh my gosh, they're gonna reject me. They don't wanna hear what I have to say. I know they don't go to church, but listen, it is gonna be like water pouring on a dry desert of their heart, but it takes an obedient vessel being willing to pour it out. God is gonna meet you there. And when he says it, you gotta be obedient to step into it. Don't push him away, but you gotta begin to recognize that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And as often as he prompts, I'm gonna be obedient. For those of you, you're gonna step out and you're gonna, you're gonna finally ask the question, hey, would you like me to pray with you? to a coworker, would you like me to pray with you? You're gonna be that bold, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit's just telling me that coworker is just gonna begin to open up, and you're gonna lead someone to Jesus for the very first time in a setting that you thought it was never gonna happen in, but that's what happens when we go to the other side. He's waiting to meet you, so Father, in Jesus' name, empower us, strengthen us, give us what we need, God. Give us what we need, Lord, we love you. 
We're going to the other side. We're going to be obedient. When you say come, we say yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.